Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Retail Rundown. Today, I will be speaking with my guest, Brandon Brown. Brandon is the Chief Executive Officer of Grin. Grin is a super cool influencer marketing platform that helps D2C brands build and manage their influencer relationships on social platforms, including perhaps the hottest right now, TikTok. Brandon, thanks for joining. Yeah, happy to be here. And Thanks for having me, Julia. I'm happy to have you on the show because, Brandon, this is great timing. Last week, if you remember, we had Brandon Rail guest hosting the rundown with Andy Austin, and he's the co-founder and CEO of The Industrious, and they really dove into the topic of Gen Z because, as we know, they are coming into the market and they have pockets that are pretty deep and they're ready to spend. So how can we attract them as brands and retailers and what characteristics define them as a consumer group? There's a lot of needs that they have that are maybe a little bit novel compared to past consumers and then in some ways the same. So that all leads up to today's topic, which is influencer marketing and specifically TikTok. So I will dive in and ask you, Brandon, a little bit about influencer marketing because the TikTok craze is ramping up. Last month, the toy maker Nerf announced that it would be hiring a chief TikTok officer to create new ways to connect with the TikTok community. So that was, I mean, personally, I just think it's a little hilarious, but it's also probably a well-paying, great role that is tough. It's tough to create good content on TikTok. So Brandon, as an expert in influencer marketing, what do you think of this new role, Chief TikTok Officer? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably share some of your sentiment. I think personally, the title of Chief TikTok Officer, it's an interesting title. I think it's a little funny as well. It's a little kind of PR headline grabby on behalf of the brands that are hiring for these roles. Feels like the title could be something like head of emerging platforms and channels, or even CMO, chief brand officer, those things. But I think without doubt, the core thing here is that ensuring that you have people on the team in key roles who understand modern consumer marketing and modern consumer behavior, and how that aligns within emerging trends within youth culture and these emerging platforms is key. So I think it's a very important role. And I think it's an important skill set that every brand needs to build. I just think the title's, you know, personally a little funny. Absolutely. And I want to ask because Nerf is obviously a huge brand. And we've seen some of the other powerhouses like Target, Walmart and Amazon on TikTok as well. And there's been some unique challenges that have brought them a lot of eyeballs. And I'm wondering what your thought is on their strategies and and the success that they're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think brands know that Gen Z is using TikTok. It's important that you need to go to where your audience is and build deep trust in those channels as a brand. Because when you're trusted and top of mind by the consumer, your sales and marketing investments are more performant across the whole mix not just in organic social or paid social and these things. And so I think, you know, TikTok's an incredibly important platform. I think brands are spending time in TikTok. They're, you know, repurposing, reposting content from TikTok onto Instagram, into Reels. And it's really kind of creating this streamlined multi-channel approach. And I think while Instagram is one of the first platforms where influencer reach really gained a lot of momentum and, and importance for brands. I think TikTok, on the other hand, feels more real. It's more relatable. I think it resonates with a lot of people now because of the kind of raw nature of it and the focus on authenticity. And I think when you think about brands and products like Nerf, as an example, right? Like that's a great product to be demoed through short form video on TikTok, like showing how the Nerf guns work. I think beauty is similar. Like you can do that with makeup tutorials. I think food for recipes 
right? I think these are just huge opportunities for brands to show products in action and get in front of that younger demographic in a way that's honest and relatable. Mm -hmm. And fast, quick, like you mentioned. The one thing that we looked up on our team before we jumped into this chat is the shocking statistic, and this is from Statista, that TikTok users spend more than 850 minutes per month. So to translate that, it's 14 hours per month on TikTok. And that's not including the other apps they're on. So that's pretty impressive in terms of hours spent scrolling through videos. Can you first, let me just ask this. Why is Grin called Grin? Because I was curious about that. <laughs> There's no crazy story for it. Okay. We felt like it was a great balance. I get this. I need to like think of a cooler story. We felt like it was a good balance between not taking yourself so serious, but also what we're doing is serious because it, it's going to create real impact and change in the world. But our company culture is one of high performance accountability, but also lots of fun, relaxed. Uh, there's music on in the office. You know, it's a young set of employees. And so we felt like it was a good culture fit for the founding team and the type of culture that we wanted to build. Cool. I like that. So at Grin, you guys are a SaaS platform for influencer marketing and you help marketers manage these programs. And I want to ask for all of our retailers listening, and I don't always ask this, I'll be honest, some vendors are not as interesting, but I think influencer marketing is a hot topic that a lot of people are curious about, especially the mid-sized retailers that maybe haven't invested as much as some of the big boxers so far. So what are some of the biggest opportunities and then what are some of the challenges that retailers encounter with programs like this? Yeah. So Grin is a SaaS platform to manage creator marketing, influencer marketing. You're basically managing a bunch of creators on social media through Grin. And the person who is managing that at the brand is typically a marketing manager or something like this. If you sell direct to consumer online, so I know it's a retail podcast, right? Physical retail, but also online retail. If you sell direct to consumer online, influencer marketing and working with creators to drive branded content, product endorsement, traffic, engagement, top of funnel, bottom of funnel, a key piece of your mix. Like This is actually table stakes now. It's critical for brands to run these programs in-house, to own the long-term relationships, to drive outcome on behalf of the brand. If you want to really compete with the fast-growing challenger brands, you know brands like Allbirds, who are a customer of ours and, and many others, when you run these programs in-house, there's all this complexity. You know, The marketing manager is typically tracking influencers in spreadsheets. They're going into the e-commerce backend platform, and they're creating discount codes and assigning those. And then they're texting mm -hmm. or emailing hundreds of people at once, telling them, hey, I just shipped the product. Here's your code. Let me know when the content goes live. And if they're sharing commissions, maybe they're using some sort of like affiliate or link tracking tool to track the revenue on the back end. And then they're manually kind of aggregating all the performance. And it just takes hours and hours to run these programs. Grin is a SaaS platform that takes that painful process and just makes it incredibly easy. Brands sign up, they bring all their creators, they import them into Grin. It goes into a private instance. So those don't get shared with any of your competitors. We have tools that help you recruit more people. So you grow your program. And then we have tools that help you activate those creators across the whole life cycle from discovery to recruitment to content production. And because we plug into all the e-commerce backends, we show you all the revenue and the performance data, as well as the content engagement. We help you with payments, taxes, and compliance. So we take this process that is typically done by you know anywhere from 2 to 15 people in a brand in these siloed, messy, hacked-together systems, and we bring it into one software system for 
streamlined efficiency, clarity, scale. Uh, and we've just really solved that problem very elegantly if you're a consumer brand who sells through e-commerce. Now, you said something interesting. You said it's a private instance of your programs. Your competitors can't see who you're selecting or working with. But is there some sort of recommendation engine based on like a lookalike model that says, hey, you probably should check out this group of influencers because they've done well with people similar to you? Or is that confidential completely? Well, we do it, but we don't do it like cross brands. We have a recruiting engine. It's multi-channel. So if you go buy something on allbirds.com, we will then notify the person who's running the influencer program at Allbirds, hey, Brandon just bought these shoes. He has 50,000 followers on Instagram, recruit him into your program. So you're trying to find people who have brand affinity and fit. So that's the other way around then. Yeah, that's one way. But we also do it. We track data on, you know, millions of creators on social. And we serve up recommendations based on audience, interest, content type, affinity, things like that. And we also do have a lookalike as well. So you can take any social profile, plug it into that search engine, and we'll show you lookalikes of people who have similar content. So we are doing it, but it's on a per brand basis. And the reason we don't share the influencers across brands is because our philosophy is that brands need to own their direct relationships with influencers, and they should never have a middleman in between middlemaning the transaction because a direct Mm. relationship inspires brand belief and product affinity which is necessary for the creator to be able to make an honest endorsement. Most of the solutions to influencer marketing are these like two-sided marketplaces and networks where they're like, we're going to get a million influencers, we're going to get 100,000 brands, and we're going to be the eBay of influencer marketing. Those solutions, they're too transactional. And there's this incentive for influencers to promote products they don't use just to make money. Sure. And the content ends up feeling fake and inauthentic. And so the way that you get around that is by building direct relationships. And so you have brands like, you know, Fashion Nova or Allbirds or these other brands who they look at their influencer roster, all their creators as an asset. Like they don't want that asset to be uploaded into a network for a bunch of people to poach and all their creators to get spammed with, excuse my language, like crappy brand deals that they don't want to do. Fit tummy tea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the best, the truth is that like people who have big audience on social, like, they don't, they're not in those platforms, like trying to convince brands to work with them. Like brands right. are reaching out to them directly. Own your direct relationships, no middleman. But we also help you with recruitment. We just do it in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. And I like, Brandon, how you said it inspires brand affinity when you're working directly between brand or retailer and influencer and getting rid of the middleman because it kind of touches on the psychology of it. And it comes back to your core value of you shouldn't be promoting products you don't believe in because people can tell. And that brings me to the topic of authenticity, which has been talked about a lot in the last year, maybe more so because we're all at home. So we want things to feel real, even when we're stuck in a virtual setting. Would you say that the authenticity in these influencer relationships and these campaigns is more important on a platform like TikTok than maybe other platforms? Or do you differentiate the channels? The way that I would cut it wouldn't be platform specific. It would be marketing that goes through people and marketing that doesn't go through people. If you were to just bucket like programmatic marketing, like that's paid social, paid search, content syndication at some level, digital billboards, these things that their goal is to achieve scale via reach and frequency. So you're trying Mm -hmm. to optimize for reach and frequency at the lowest cost with the right audience, right? But then you have like this other set of marketing that goes through people that it's actually not programmatic. It goes through a person. And so influencer marketing is in that bucket. And so to me, like 
athlete marketing is in that bucket. Ambassador programs are in that bucket. Customer advocacy is in that bucket. Influencer marketing is in that bucket. This is marketing that reaches the consumer through a person. That type of marketing, yes, there's a reach and frequency component because at the end of the day, you're trying to reach the consumer. But fundamentally, it's about creating a deeper emotional connection between the brand and the consumer. So what you're really doing is building trust with the consumer because the consumer has elected to follow that person and they, at some level, aspire to be like them. And then that person who they trust is introducing the brand to them. And that's why it's actually so powerful because it's not just like advertising. It's not just about reaching the consumer. It's about the depth of the experience when you reach the consumer. So in order for that to work, right, this is why authenticity is important. Like the person who's delivering the message needs to actually believe what they're saying. And if they don't believe what they're saying, the consumer will be able to read between the lines and it's quite nuanced and they'll be able to tell. And the way that you get someone to believe in the brand, like we touched on, is by building a direct relationship with them and inspiring them to do so. So authenticity is key on any platform within influencer marketing. I would argue that authenticity is not really important in advertising. And that doesn't mean that advertising is not an important part of the marketing mix. Like it's always going to be a key, key piece of the mix. Like you have to spend money on advertising. But I just think it's fundamentally like it's like the core issue that it solves for is slightly different. It's like why Grin is the category leader in influencer marketing. I say that with respect and humility and, and understanding that I feel very fortunate and proud of what we built. But it's because we understand, I think, the problem in a different and more deep way than other people who are building companies in the space. And I think when you drive outcome through people, it's all about trust and all about authenticity. You need that to transfer to the consumer for it to work. And I like I like that uh, viewpoint you have because it could be an imposing viewpoint. And those are always the best to have on podcasts and things because it makes people think, do you need authenticity as much in advertising versus marketing that goes through people, as you said? And I think that in a way, I would argue that influencer marketing has become democratized and is now more easily accessible to the D2C brands that maybe only sell through Amazon or they only sell through a couple marketplaces and they're smaller. But we saw a huge campaign. Um, I don't know if it was started organically or not. Probably not. But it was the things you didn't know you needed off Amazon. I don't know if you saw this, but it was a lot of TikTokers and they were just highlighting random or seemingly random Amazon products that they love that you can buy usually for a pretty affordable price. And, you know, that's impacting the smaller sellers too. That It's like, I was smiling when you said that. I didn't see that particular thing, but like, that's so good, right? And why is it so good? It's so good because it looks like honest and organic. Was it? Who knows? Someone's like, things you didn't need, you know, on Amazon. And they're on, I could just imagine the TikTok video now. And they're talking about these products that are super interesting and solve problems that they really actually like. Like they bought it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I want to tell people about this. That works because of the authenticity and the trust. Whether Amazon kind of seeded that idea or paid for it or those brands that were involved did, who knows? But the reason it's so powerful and the reason you're talking about it is because the excitement and the belief transferred to you and or the people who saw that and it stuck with them. And I wonder, Brandon, if you have any certain types of feelings about Amazon's influencer platforms that it hosts in-house. Like they, I've seen them roll out videos where you can see live videos of this product being demonstrated right now, kind of like QVC. Do you think that's something, I mean, Amazon's known for testing things. So do you think that has any stickiness in the long term? I think live shopping, whether it's on whatever the, the social platform that it is, I think that's like a super powerful disruption to me that 
is really interesting. It's like a modern QVC. And I think it's going to be here for a long time. And I think it will only get better. And I think in other parts of the world, I'm based in the US, I think in other parts of the world, it's already really large. So I think that's a great, great innovation for brands and consumers. I am a big fan of Amazon. I buy tons of products on Amazon. Solid company that solves a huge problem in the world. I think as a brand marketer, Amazon's tough because it's quite hard to differentiate. Smart brand visionaries and CMOs, they understand that one of the most important rules in marketing is differentiation and owning the customer experience. And I think it's really challenging to do that on Amazon because of kind of the sandbox that you're in. Mm -hmm. That said, I think live shopping presents a really interesting opportunity to create differentiation and a more owned experience by the brand because they can collaborate with that person who's introducing the brand and the product. And so in that environment, I think it's a really powerful tool to drive differentiation and owned experience in in a notoriously hard-to-do place. I like that. And this is a bit of an off-the-wall question that popped into my head for you, but Snapchat not too long ago acquired an AR type of software solution, which they're already a leader in. They have the coolest filters, but there has been migration away from, maybe a little bit away from Snapchat and onto the other platforms. Do you think that Snapchat will be around in the foreseeable future? So this is the thing. Snapchat... It's, I think it's hard to count people out, right? Like when you have high engagement and high user retention, like, and you have loyal audience, like people who use Snapchat really like Snapchat and they continue to innovate. Like, I don't think it would be smart to count them out of the game. Like, I think, I think that's a strong product, strong community, demonstrated ability to at least take big swings within innovation, which I think is the key to long-term success, you know, strong visionary leadership. And so... My view is, yeah, I think they're a staying power. They're here for a long time. Does it have the meteoric rise that everybody expected when they IPO'd? I think we've seen not so, but I think at the same time, like they're continuing to grow. Like I just, I just Googled their market cap on our call because maybe I'm kind of like a tech CEO nerd, but you know, they're doing something right. Like they're continuing to grow value and that's a good, strong business that I think will be here for a long time personally. Yeah. And some people have said, you know, maybe the AR, if they keep investing in their AR capabilities, they might even be a solution provider for retailers to, you know, show products in-house better than maybe you could at an in-house company. It's also more accessible. So if you want to like see a couch, maybe you go on Snapchat and you're following Ashley Homestore and you can see a couch in your living room and it's not as buggy as, you know, I'm not calling out them, but just whenever you use AR, sometimes it it doesn't work still, even though it's gotten a lot better. I do wonder because of like the quick nature of Snapchat and how things are gone within 24 hours, is that maybe not as right of a platform as optimal as a platform versus TikTok or Instagram or Reels on Instagram, things like that? Again, I think they all serve different purposes. So I think if you're thinking only in terms of cheap reach, then the long tail of the content engagement which like an Instagram feed post or a YouTube video is great in that regard because consumers can go back and access it months later. And so there's definitely like a long tail of outcome there that's super valuable. That again is important. Back to my view of influencer marketing, when you think about Snapchat, what a powerful, powerful place to build trust, right? Like short form, quick kind of what's the word ephemeral, like, you know, it's, it's, it's there and then it's gone. And I think you can have content that super engaging and resonates. And just because it's not there forever doesn't mean that didn't make a deep impact with people. And perhaps it could be argued that it's more of an impact because of the relationship that that person has with the audience in that platform. And you mentioned long tail. So that's probably something I'm assuming at Grin is is a really 
interesting metric to look at. Hey, you guys did this campaign a year ago and all of a sudden someone picked up this content and you're getting more sales that track back to that. There are certain marketing channels that when you turn the spend off, they go away completely. And there are other ones that when you turn the spend off, they don't go away completely. And influencer marketing is like somewhere in the middle, right? And so if you think about like just paid, and I'm thinking about digital marketing primarily, the second you stop spending in in paid media, the outcome goes away because you're not advertising anymore. And you look at something like SEO, that's obviously super important for every brand today. It doesn't go away. You build your domain authority up in the search engines. You create great content. That content lives on for a very long time, continues to drive traffic. I think influencer marketing is somewhere in the middle where you're paying either through cash or product costs and or resources and headcount to drive outcome on social, you could theoretically scale and slow that down. And you're probably still going to get some organic uplift because when things become top of mind on social and the consumer starts to engage with it, then you just organically get other people talking about the product in the same way that the creators are without paying. And then secondarily to that, you get this kind of long tail content, especially on platforms like YouTube, where videos can pop off like way, way after they were posted. So I think that's the smart way to think about it. And I would agree. That's amazing. Well, this has been a great conversation, Brandon. Can you tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and Grin? If you want to learn more about Grin, you can go to www.grin.co. And I'm pretty easy to get a hold of on all the platforms, main one probably being LinkedIn. And would love to chat and collaborate and Hopefully there's a way that we can work together either now or in the future. Excellent. Brandon Brown, the Chief Executive Officer of Grin. It was great to have you on the show today and I hope you come on in the future. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. For sponsorship opportunities, send us an email at media at rethink.industries. You can help support our team at Rethink Retail by dropping us a rating and review on your iTunes podcast app. To each and every one of you, thanks so much for tuning in. Retail never sleeps. See you next week.